Okay, guys, welcome to this morning's Fife Property Show. Uh, this is all about unfurnished lettings. What features do tenants pay more rent for? Now, on this morning is Andrea, and you can probably see I'm in a completely different location. <laughs> I'm in sunny Spain. It's like, wow, look at this right here. Look, look, I'll show you on the way. I'll show you what I'm looking at. That is where I am right now. And it is a beautiful day. And look, I've got a wee pal <laughs> on the bottom there. I think he's decided, I think he's just decided to join me. He, he tends to roam about the place and then now and again he just he just speaks to people. But guys, um, this is all about unfurnished lettings. Uh, what features do tenants pay more rent for? I mean, the average, did you know that the average first-time buyer has actually risen to 32-year-old now? Um, and tenancies are lasting longer than ever, um, but not all national trends apply to lettings in Fife, but this one absolutely does. Does that surprise you, Andrea? I think it does. I mean, having four children myself, you know, getting them onto the, the property ladder has taken a long time, and pretty much all of them have rented at some point before yeah. they got there, so... Um, but the other thing with that is a lot of them are still staying at home, so it's difficult for the parents to to get rid of the kids. Yeah. They're used to the home comforts. <laughs> Good morning, An uh, Angela. <laughs> Hola. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but is it not is it not becoming the national? The, the sort of trend now that the younger generation, uh, I'll take my glasses off actually, because they're going dark. <laughs> I can't, can't emphasize the fact that they're going dark because of the sun. <laughs> you know that I'm rubbing it in. Um, so the, is it not the case that you tend to find that the younger generation now is becoming generation rent and it's now become acceptable for, um, for them to rent? And, and it's probably because of flexibility of labour choices and where they want to stay as well, and uh, and and their, their 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 tenure, you know, the property they actually live in. I mean, you know, why would you buy a property, maybe a flat or something like that, or an apartment for two years only, if you know finally you're probably going to upgrade to a house, or you're going to move somewhere else later on? The cost to entry to buy the property, and then the cost to exit to sell the property, is probably prohibitive um, uh, uh, rather than actually renting, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And and more importantly, at the moment, people are living not just from week to week, but from day to day on yeah. what they can actually afford. So getting into a, a tenancy is a huge commitment. It's almost as big as buying a home yeah. now because, you know, it takes up so much of your income. But then the, the benefit of that is you can walk away anytime you want, can't you? You can do yeah. 20 days notice and, and plus the fact that repairs and improvements and anything to do with the, the fabric of the building are actually passed on to the landlord and the tenant actually doesn't need to look after that at all. So they've got no liability for fixing mm -hmm. the fixtures and the heating system and everything like that. No, that's true. Um, some of the larger things about living in properties, especially if it's a flatted property or huge repair bills, for things like roofs and walls and... Yeah, you know when you've got to make a huge contribution to it, whereas if you're a tenant, you avoid all that. You might have a little bit of upheaval when it's when the work's getting done, but you don't have the financial burden. Yeah, so so renting's no longer seen as a temporary measure. Tenants, including uh, looking are looking for a sense of 
permanent uh, permanence combined with more comfort. Um, this means surrounding themselves with their own belongings in a well-presented and well-equipped home. Most of the people want to actually live with their own furniture, and the term unfurnished doesn't actually really mean unfurnished. It doesn't mean completely bare, does it? Um, I mean, I've always taken unfurnished as possibly supplying white goods. You know, has that kind of been your impression as well? Yeah, I always thought that at least they would have um, a cooker and somewhere that they could make a meal, um, wash up and store food as the main basics in a kitchen and somewhere to wash the clothes. But there is, there is, there is items of furniture which actually tenants would actually pay extra for. Uh, longer lets um, at higher rents are every landlord's dream. Um, so what we're going to talk about today, and here's the, here's some of the, the key things we're going to talk about today in the show. Um, and, and you're more than welcome to ask any questions if you're watching and listening. And I know there's people watching and listening right now. I'm more than happy to listen and take your questions as well and answer them. Um, it doesn't need to be about furnishings or unfurnished or anything like that. It could be anything to do with the rental market. We're here to help you and get you get you moved on and get you um, better educated and, and more information about what you need to do next. So some of the ones that, things that we're going to talk about today are what are the advantages of unfurnished lettings, uh, what makes perfect unfurnished home, um, which kitchen appliances are essential and which are actually optional. Um, a lot of people actually don't know that. Um, which bathroom fittings actually attract a higher rent? Would you believe actual certain bathroom fittings actually attract higher rents? Wow. Um, it'd be interesting to know, and we'll talk about that, is how much outlay would you have to get how much extra in rent? Because then you can actually equate that to one another to actually see the return on the outlay that you got. Probably a classic example of that is I remember I had a two-bedroom flat, but the, the, but the downstairs lounge was huge, and you could effectively subdivide it into three bedrooms um, and actually just create a bedroom off the back, you know, like your typical ex-local authority flat. Um, and it cost me at the time probably £700 to put the stud partition up um, and create another bedroom, but I actually got another £60 a month. So when you work that out, £60 a month over 12 months, there's £720. It cost me £750 to do, so the payback was one year. So the return was almost 100% um, on my investment straight away. Um, so that made absolute sense, and that's the kind of that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about. The marginal improvements that you would make in order to make a higher return in what you're doing. Uh, and finally, do energy saving measures and luxury touches affect demand and income? Um, so in short, all you need to know about what the tenants pay more rent for, so that you can optimize the profitability and the popularity of your buy to let. I mean, that's the key things, isn't it? It's all about it's all about the income, the, the, the rent level, and then it's all about the occupancy. These are probably the two most important things to, to a landlord in order to make sure they can look after the tenancy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, talking about occupancy rate, I think, you know, having looked at figures over the last few years, one of the main things is that affects the occupancy is having to get huge repairs and things done on properties. And, and giving the turnaround. Yeah. Um, you know, that time it takes a landlord to, to get a team of workmen in to maybe redecorate, refloor, 
take out a bathroom that's maybe been damaged, uh, yeah. kitchen worktops, anything like that. So well, it can't like, be a lot. A lot of people are actually quite happy, just like you are yourself, to actually st still continue to live in the property, pay rent for the property, and actually get the improvement done while you're while you're at it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. If I went if I went to see a tenant right now and said to them, I tell you what, how would you like a new kitchen? They wouldn't say, well, I, well, I'm going to have to go and live somewhere else. They go, absolutely. When can you do it? Um, because effectively you're getting a new kitchen and as well it's like is there any particular colors you would like or is there any scheme you would like or is there any type of kitchen you would like um within reason obviously um mm -hmm. but that's a, that's the type of thing that people would actually want and when you think about that as well it's like wait a minute you're not even paying for it as a tenant actually someone else is paying for that improvement and kitchens nowadays probably start at five thousand pound upwards don't they yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting on delivery of a, a new kitchen for my daughter's flat that she bought, um, and we're talking about five thousand pound. And that's with us doing the work ourselves. So, yeah. um, and we haven't got some of the white goods yet. So, but yeah, around about five thousand pound, and that's a small kitchen. And I think you know, if the work can be done while a tenant's in the property, it will make them appreciate more what they're actually getting, and they'll look after it more. Because they've had a, a part of the choice of it. Have you found that that people will look after things that are better quality? I think so. It's a typical example of you go and rent something that's not up to standard. Then what what impression do you give the person actually looking to live in it straight away? It's like if you don't if you don't care about it, then why should they care about it? That's that that is really what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's things like, you know, like worktops that are all scratched and scorched marks on them, you know, kitchen sink with dents or, you know, if it's a ceramic sink, got chips out of it, you know, it will make the place feel dirty and unclean and people will just not bother. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the benefits of unfurnished lettings then. This is the first subject we want to talk about. There are plenty of reasons why unfurnished homes are better for landlords and tenants alike. Uh, take a look at our top 10. Here's our top 10 benefits. Which ones would you make would make the biggest difference to you? Now, some of the top 10 ones here, spare yourself the time and expense of buying, repairing or replacing items of furniture. For me, that's a big one because that eats into your budget straight away. Um, there used to be a case before um, and this was eight years ago when the, when the legislation was different in terms of taxation, that you could get a 10% wear and tear allowance against top line rent um, for furnished properties. That was taken away and you're allowed an instant deduction against your against your income now for any furnishings that you put in a property. However, you know, how long are they going to last? Um, how much is that going to depreciate? And then does that eat into, your, eat into what you're making? I, I mean, if you're putting in, a, for example, if you're putting in a suite and it's poor, a suite's the best part of what, 800 to 1,000 pounds then? So, yes. if and, and if it only lasts five years, then you're writing off two, two, 250 pounds, 200 to 250 pounds a year. Um, it, it's quite a lot of money. I mean, it doesn't sound a lot when you break it down into 20 pounds a month, but then it's 20 pounds off of maybe 100 pounds that you're making after all your costs every single month. So, that's 20% of your profit actually just taken because of one item of furniture and that's only one item 
So that's why as a landlord now, I, I don't want to do furnished properties anymore. I'm, I, I avoid them completely as, as, as a result of that because it's the return that you get for it. Um, the other one is you, you use the savings to invest in upgrades uh, to your property that improve the sale and the rental value. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you got any other ones, Andrea? Yeah, the main one, I think, and it's probably quite a bugbear of a lot of people, is sleeping on a mattress that someone else has slept on. Um, you know, if the, <laughs> it says it all. Even with a mattress protector on it, it's... Yeah. No. <laughs> no and no people have their that. own likes and dislikes. You know, they want a hard mattress, they want a soft mattress. And I think if you had to pander to everybody's needs and providing what it was that they actually wanted, you'd have a whole warehouse full of different mattresses that really well, incidentally enough that's what i used to keep i used to have to keep a whole lot of stuff because so often a lot of people would actually after me doing furnishings all the time a lot of people would actually say i tell you what i just want it unfurnished and it's like well wait a minute where am i meant to put all this furniture so i actually physically had to take all the furniture out and pay all the cost for taking them out put them into caledonian house in the back which i stored them all and then subsequently leave, leave them there so i have to pay the cost of storage I have to pay the cost of depreciation because they're still depreciating value because they're sitting there doing nothing. Uh, and then I have to pay the cost of actually taking them out and then putting them back in for someone else that wants them. So it's a huge amount of costs. And plus the fact um, is also the need to keep up with the change in safety standards uh, for fabrics and textiles. That's yeah. probably another key thing as well that actually get avoid, uh, uh, you know, avoiding as a result of doing unfurnished lettings. Um, and also avoiding trying to appeal to the changing tastes and fashion. Um, you know, your classic example is your beige. Um, <laughs> and not everybody wants beige anymore. And they want a different colour scheme. So I provided a beige suite, but then they would go, but I'm wanting, I'm wanting blue walls and blue carpets. That's not really going to go with my, my property or, or what I want. And you want people to feel at home, don't you? Yeah. And was it Draylon by any chance? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I genuinely can't remember. But the, there was often, you know, you would have that. And then after a period of time, you found that um, everybody would use them differently. Therefore, they would get a bit more wear and tear on them than usual. Um, and as a result, you, you're maybe two or three years in and, and they weren't looking great. No. And the loose covers, you know, a lot of people would put a loose cover over it in their own colour scheme to get round colour that they didn't really like but yeah. no they'll get a bit minging after a while <laughs> probably the other thing for me as well is um yeah, i mean inventories uh, saying goodbye to having an inventory now you know we know we'll have condition reports now which is the fabric of the building and the way it's decorated and the carpets and you know stuff like that and the way everything works in terms of does the cooker work does the windows open or the doors chipped or the carpets damaged you know anything any slight blemish or anything like that is actually um is actually categorized in, in inventory reports and condition reports now but it does say goodbye to that needless uh, checking for broken crockery and missing cutlery and uh, worn out towels and bedding i mean bedding actually wears out pretty quick if if, if somebody's washing it continuously all the time uh, so you know, again, it's eaten into what you're what you're making. Yeah, I mean, using other people's stuff is really just doesn't appeal to the majority of of people. Um, yeah. Curtains and things you can live with for a little while, but it's always nice to have your own stuff around you. Just say a, a, a good morning. Uh, good morning, Perry. 
Buenos dias. <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> I've been here 18 years and I'm, I'm still trying to work out how to speak Spanish. <laughs> the great thing is, to be honest, no one speaks a word of English, really. It's very, very little, if anything. And that's what I love about the place so much, um, is the fact that it's so authentic where I am. Um, and, and it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like the East Nuke, but it's the weather's far superior. You know, it's 20 degrees all the time at minimum. And then, you know, come the summertime, it's 30 to 35 degrees. Um, no, no that I'm rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that I'm going to the beach after this. <laughs> so, it's about 10 degrees here today. Uh, I think as well as a... One of the benefits of unfurnished is it makes your tenants feel more comfortable in their own surroundings. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, especially if there's children uh, involved in the family that move into the property, you know, that's their home. So to have their own stuff around them, their own beds, their own chest of drawers, you know, the, the familiarity, you know, helps them settle into a new place. Yeah. Reducing tenant changeovers is a quite an important thing as well. Um, and paying less for inventories because, uh, you know, and landlords' contents insurance, no need to actually do that anymore because you've not got any major contents. Most of the most of the main things are actually covered by um, they're covered by your actual um, buildings insurance. So most building insurance policies, for example, Alan Boswell, Alan Boswell covers five thousand pounds of contents as a standard practice of their buildings insurance cover. Um, so you don't actually need to physically go and cover individual um, items because you're no longer furnishing a property really. So it covers things like carpets and curtains and, you know, maybe white goods that you'll supply. Um, most fixtures are, you know, are covered under main things like integrated ovens and hobs, um, extractors, um, baths, toilets. They're all fixtures now classified and they're under buildings insurance. So that's probably another thing. You're paying less for your contents insurance. Uh, and you're finding it easier to decorate, and renovate, and repair between tenancies. Um, ultimately, because you're no, you've no got all the furniture lying about. Yeah, it's really difficult trying to decorate and move furniture from wall to wall. You try to do it. Do you um, ask your tenants? Sorry, my throat's going. Do you ask your tenants to um, decorate back to the standard that was presented them when they got it before they leave? Um, well, what I do, what the rule of thumb is, is we've got a condition report in the beginning, and and if somebody wants to change um, any of the decoration, obviously we insist that you get somebody professional in to do it, but we do also insist that it's changed back um, to what it was originally, or something similar, uh, minus you know the typical wear and tear. Um, so if they've been there for ten years, for example. We wouldn't expect them to have it pristine again because it's wear and tear over 10 years. Um, so, you know, for example, carpets, we, you know, 10 years will be gone, um, possibly even five or six years will be gone. But if they stay there 10 years, then then it's probably a bonus uh, to degree and the fact that they've still got the same carpets. But we would expect to change them. We wouldn't actually charge the tenant for that because they've been in a considerable amount of time. That's all just part and parcel of the tenancy. So it's not, it's not the case. It's like, um, for example, a hire car where you insist that they've got to repair it back to what it was originally. And and the, the, some higher companies actually insist you've got to do the whole thing again. So if you have a wee dent in the door, the whole thing has to get done from start to finish. They don't just take 50 quid off for the dent. They insist that the whole thing's done, which could cost hundreds. 
if yeah. not a thousand pound or somewhere. So so it's 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 give and take more or less. But there is rules and regulations anyway, set down by the safe deposit scheme, which is the custodial schemes by the uh, approved by the government for um, um, um and uh, and also in the first two tribunal, which actually which actually set down sort of guidelines about um what you what, what is right and what is wrong. Um, so, so that's the sort of that's the sort of thing that we follow as a result, and we're, we're trained in all that anyway, as part and parcel of our lettings qualifications. Mm -hmm. So, Perry's asking a, a, quite a good question. Uh, other than white goods, uh, we were unfurnished. I think for me, it felt more at home with the things around us. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Um, and you want, you want that. You, you want. A, you want somebody that's in a tenancy to actually feel like it's their home and not just a house because they'll be settled more and they'll stay there longer as a result therefore you've had you have a higher occupancy rate you don't have changeover so you don't lose rent in between you don't have any refurbs in between or any improvements you have to make in between and um, so you're saving money with that as well um, and 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 your rent will continue to get paid regardless, and you don't have to pay um, another letting agent uh, to actually fill the property again, or you don't have to spend the time as well to fill the property again. So there's there's all the key advantages of actually looking after your tenant and um, making the tenancy longer. Um, that's where that's where for me all the all the um, profits made. Is, is looking after the tenant and having longer tenancies and, 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 and actually. So it's not about getting the highest rent possible all the time. It's maybe just under it, um, but it's actually getting a longer tenancy to stay longer. Uh, therefore, you're, you're, you're filling all these voids. Um, you're not costing any extra money to put more tenants in, and you're not actually having to do um, um, costs and, and changeovers. Um, so there's, there's huge bonuses to doing that. So it's not always about the highest rent. Right, so the perfect blank canvas. To get the highest rent, think about creating a stylish, durable and neutral backdrop. Yeah. One that's ready to move into with minimal fuss and that works with anyone's furniture and style. So we've already talked about having fresh paint work, but use high quality paint. It's washable. Yeah. And, and do you, would you, do, are we still on the, are we still on the grey? Do you think grey is the, the paint work still to go for, the grey and white? I don't know. Some people were never really into the grey and white. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if it's, it's all magnolia now, but I think grey is potentially maybe on the way out for 2022. A lot of brighter colours and you know bold designs and things. But obviously, for a rental property, that's maybe not the best um, route to go down. Um, just keep it simple. For me, it tends to be it tends to be the uh, it's the it's the feature wall now. Yeah. So, and and also what I found is when we're going around properties now, it's the it's the dark blue kitchens. We're going back to the nineteen. I, I mean, I'm not saying we're going back to the nineteen seventies, but the nineteen seventies was that era where it was dark blue kitchens and it was maybe gold handles. Um, and and this generation obviously doesn't know that because they weren't around in the 1970s so that that's new to them and that's fine that's that but i remember that and and it was actually quite stylish um and and quite robust as well because then if you get any nicks or anything like that you don't actually notice them because of it of the fact it's so dark 
Um, and if you get the right lighting, which is great now, we've got we've got the proper lighting now. You can actually it can your kitchen can actually look a lot better. Whereas before, you know, these dark kitchens because we didn't have LED lighting in that at that time. You know, it did look really dark and it made the made the kitchen look actually quite small. So coming back to what you were saying about fresh paintwork and washable emulsion um, is actually a big plus point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you get your magic sponge, it takes off most um, most scrapes and marks ah, on the wall. amazing that I'm, I use one of these on the hob. It's like, <laughs> I can't believe that, but then it's like me microfibers or something. Let's talk about um, flooring. Would you go for carpets or wood flooring? If it was a ground floor apartment, I would probably go for wood flooring. Yeah. Um, upstairs, well, I'm a compassionate person. I would think about my neighbours and potential noise. Um, so I would probably go for a carpet with really good underlay. Yeah, some of the conditions, some of the conditions actually in some of the newer built properties insist that you're not actually allowed to put um, hardwood flooring in the upper floors. And, and mm -hmm. it's because of antisocial behaviour. Um, because the fact that you'll have people clip-clopping back and forward um, and it'll just aggravate the tenants below or the people below. Yeah, because I think, you know, you may be in a property where your property is rented, but it's somebody that owns their property below and, yeah. you know, then they're really stuck with if they've got a noisy neighbour that likes to go on the treadmill or whatever at three o'clock in the morning. I've got to admit as well, though, uh, you know, hardwood flooring is actually more durable and it washes easier um, than actually carpets. So I think that's a big plus point for me. Um, out of that, um, I still think it's quite clinical and cold, though. Yeah, but you can, you know, people can put rugs and things down and, and yeah, also help. Is, is that not defeating the purpose, though? <laughs> and then I'm going to put a carpet on top of it. Well, not a big carpet, just a, a wee rug. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. I'm just blaming yeah. with some that. People, some people like minimalist uh, without... Um, soft furnishings because of allergies and things and and pets you know a lot of people just don't have curtains or fabric in their properties they'll have a leather suite um you know to minimize allergies yeah one well, my biggest bugbear has got to be light bulbs <laughs> i'm amazed at the amount of properties i go around initially and you walk into the rooms, you switch on the lights, and they maybe got three or four lights on one one fitting, and maybe two of them's out. Yeah. And for me, again, it sends it's like what you say, it sends that impression out to people that you're not really that bothered. Um, so why should they be bothered? The fact that you've not actually and, and the fact that you you lose a lot of the light in the room because the fitting was there in the first place to make sure they actually got the light around the whole room itself. So yeah. it begins to look a bit dingy. So it tells you two things. It's dingy, and it also tells you, I'm not particularly bothered about this property, <laughs> so why should you be bothered? Um, it's like switching the light on and then... Sorry, yeah. so it's like switching the light on and then saying, right, I'll come back in a week when it's warmed up. Aye, uh, <laughs> you know, the old-fashioned... Listen, as well, get rid of the old-fashioned uh, um, lights, you know, the energy saver bulbs chuck them out get rid of them now and they take far too long if you've got to wait to heat up to get natural light in the room then you've got the wrong type of bulbs in because you can get fantastic led lights now at, 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 at instant and they give you a huge amount of natural light there 
um, and it's instant for that, and it makes the it makes the room pop completely. It makes it nice and bright. If you get daylight lights, um, it, it's actually like it's like the natural eye. You don't actually realise the lights on, but you actually think that all the lights coming in from outside as a as a result. Um, therefore, it actually looks really bright in the in the house itself. That's one of the advantages of when you're doing viewings with people to actually get to the property first and put the lights on. Yeah, yeah, and and what about what about things like um, what would what would be your suggestion of things like, uh, for example? Let me think about it. You know, shelves. Do you think shelves is a good idea? Putting up shelves in a property. I think with so many um, large uh, furniture companies providing shelves that can sit on the floor, you don't actually need to be drilling into walls to be yeah. getting shelving, shelving storage. Ah, um, right. So provide freestanding if anybody's wanting storage. Yeah, so yeah. If you've got a wee alcove in a corner, you know, the typical sort of, it's the size of a press, really, you know, the, the where you could open and shut it, the door. Um, but it's actually it's actually built out, and then the fireplace. You can you know the typical example: yeah. fireplace in the middle. You've got these two spaces on either side. Maybe maybe the suggestion would be rather than actually fit shelves to the wall, actually just put freestanding shelf units in. Yeah, I would. And any good um, joiner can, if it, if the shelves are going to be too big, they can adjust something to yeah. fit the space exactly and make it look really good. One of the things you usually have to do with taller units is to fix a safety strap at the top of them but then that's just one screw holes to stop Good children pulling them over on top of them yeah there's many a time my wardrobe's fallen on me <laughs> <laughs> when i was a wee boy swinging for the door <coughs> all wardrobe would come down with you including all the suitcases on top of it yeah. i mean i remember swinging on kitchen doors when i was a child and my mum and dad going mad at me i never thought anything about it i would have killed mine if they'd done that with my kitchen <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> I'm officially so, old. The good old yeah. days. <laughs> Probably one of the other things that contributed to the swinging on things is uh, make, giving you creaky and wobbly door handles. So you need to make sure that they're securely fitted and working properly and, you know, that they actually look good on the cupboards and the doors. Um, they're often opened at viewings and create an impression about the quality and the feel of a home. Um, mismatched door handles, you know, or having one that's missing and a, a temporary one put in its place just doesn't give a very good look. So even, even things like your even things like your kitchen cabinets, if it's if they're just if they're just sagging a wee bit, you know, the, yeah. the typical, the, and all you need to do is just open it up and adjust the adjust the hinges and to actually get it to back up straight. It, it just yeah. it just and then if you leave it like that and it's loose, it then begins to get worse when people use it. Therefore. Um, prevention is better than cure, isn't it? Yeah, because if especially for upper cabinets, if you open one and it's loose, it's going to fall down and hit you mm -hmm. or someone else. What's your thoughts on window blinds? Um, everybody's got a different taste in those. I really like plantation shutters, but I know they're expensive. Yeah. Um, but one of the remarkable things about plantation shutters is they still let in a huge amount of light. Yeah. And because they're, if you get the white ones, they reflect the light as well into the room. They're also an added security feature as well because you can lock them in the inside. 
So it makes it harder for yeah. people to break into your property. But anything that, you know, Venetian blinds or, um, you know, they can gather a lot of dust. Vertical blinds, the little bits along the bottom, um, they get, uh, you know, with the sun going on them, they get brittle. And, you know, you've got a cat or a dog that goes up on it or a child or whatever, and they just break and they end up looking really tatty. Well, there's a classic example as well. If you get the vertical blinds in the fabric, I mean, you've got carts. Um, you know, I, I have got carts, and that's what happens, isn't it? The wee bit yeah. out of them, and eventually over a period of time, they actually get covered in dirt and fur and all the rest of it, and they're, they're no easy to wash. Um, and therefore, yeah. you could, as a tenant, you could end up with liability for, for a cost that you actually didn't know about. Um, and as a landlord, it's, a, it's an additional cost as well if, if, it's, um, if, it, if it's part and parcel of that. So... You're, you're probably right to a degree. I mean, you know, the plantation shutters in the long run might actually be a good one for higher higher value, high-end properties. Yeah, I think also for the safety aspect of blinds with cords and things, obviously you've got the liability there with children's safety and that they have to be positioned a certain, it can only be a certain length, or they've got to be, you know, tied to the wall. So it's... Yeah. So we've done the perfect blank canvas and we've also put another uh, link in this post to an article um, for uh, uh, how to sell your buy to let um, without using furniture in the beginning. So that's another good one to actually just read if you want. I mean, this article we're discussing just now is in here anyway, but on that article is another link to that that um, article leading to how to sell your property without using furniture. Um, oh, what do tenants want in a kitchen? You know, what's, what's the primary things that, that they would actually want then? I mean, is it good quality kitchens and appliances and, um, to achieve a noticeable uplift in the rental income? Is that, is I, that the I would thing say like? a chef and someone to wash up. <laughs> <laughs> is that the called a husband? <laughs> a partner. <laughs> <Or> a partner. <laughs> oh, dear. A manual, dish, a manual dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a dishwasher, I mean, I grew up without a dishwasher. My first dishwasher I got was, I think I had four children under my belt by that time. So, you know, it's, and I've actually gone back to hand washing dishes. Yeah, our dishwasher, my mum's dishwasher was us. <laughs> I've got the short straw at the time because it was almost like stereotypical that a woman would would do things like that, um, <laughs> which now would be, you know, I could understand it's, wait a minute, why is that just a woman's thing? <laughs> but at that time, it was kind of an expectation. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of young millennials who are now coming into rented properties are expectations are so high yeah. for the things that must have you know and a dishwasher is one of them in the kitchen yeah for me well for me for even a smaller property a slimline dishwasher possibly um you know a 400 a slimline dishwasher is is probably essential it, it took us a lot of years to actually get into that mode but once we had a dishwasher it was like wow we never want we never want to wash dishes ever again yeah and they <laughs> want these um sprinkle taps you know with the extendable hose and the American style, they want everything, you know, and they just don't realise that some people have to wait a long, long time to be able to get nice things like that. And there's nothing wrong with bog standard. 
But then when you're, if you're providing it, you know, as, as part of the rental, then there's an opportunity there, isn't there? To yeah, actually, oh, yeah. To actually get a better rent. And, and as I said, you know, for the for the uh, sprinkle tap, actually, you wash your veg in the colander. Um, it, is a, it is a big thing in people's minds about the quality of a kitchen, even not just even not just that one thing. Now, how much does it cost? I'll go back to saying that. How much would you invest in order to add that feature on? And then how much extra rent would you get as a result of that? And I think the payback would be a year. I think you'd have your money back mm-hmm. within a year and you've still got the thing. And it just, it just again, it gives that impression of quality um, as soon as you walk in because it's not every kitchen has got it. No, that's true. You know, if you're happy to put stuff like that in, in your flats as a, as a basic, then that's uh, something that a tenant's going to be really lucky if they get it. Yeah, so basics not go for basic kitchen let's go for probably mid kitchen mid mid level um not really high level because that you know that could get damaged easily and then it costs a fortune to replace where mid is you know it's it's tolerable for both parties but the tenant will have it as well um and it will last a bit longer than your basic uh, kitchens i tend to i tend to like ready-built carcasses because it's built by the manufacturer straight away Whereas you don't know who's building your kitchen for you if it comes in flat pack. And if it's not built properly, in my opinion, um, there's kind of no warranties or comeback on that. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that they built in the first place. I kind of think once it's built, if you, start, if you start taking it apart again and then trying to rebuild it again, it's just never going to be the same. Yeah. Uh, and what, what do you think about integrated appliances as opposed to freestanding if you're providing them? I'm a, I'm a big fan of every single kitchen I put in, to put in an oven, a hob, an extractor. It's standard every single time. I don't like the fact that there's a freestanding cooker there. I like the integrated oven. There's a, there's a unit it slots into. It's a standard appliance. It's a 600 uh, unit. It's a um, housing unit. The hob as well is more or less standard size as well, and you can change one when you need it. So it's, it's rather than having to buy a whole new cooker, because that's what a freestanding cooker would cost, um, therefore, you can just change one or the other. Um, and then the fact that you've got the extractor above it, it just gives, you know, it's just to get all the smells outside um, if you need it, or maybe just to get some rid of some of the fat. So I'm a big fan of putting that in as a standard thing now. Um, and then uh, freestanding stuff, yeah, I would probably, I'd probably agree with that. Freestanding after that, fridge, freezer um, in the corner, um, and then possibly a washing machine uh, under the drainer of the, of the sink. Uh, that's where I would normally put things. I'm, I I tend to do in the apartments. I tend to do the L shape kitchen. Yeah. So where you've got the top bit, where you've got the you've got the uh, sink, you've got the washing machine in the top right hand corner. Just say the L shapes like this. So top right hand corner, you've got the washing machine underneath the counter. You've got the drainer. You've got the sink. Then you've got the bit that comes down in the L shape. You've got the fridge freezer at the very end, the bottom. Uh, freestanding fridge freezer then you come back to the center you've got the oven hob and extractor there and then you've got plenty of activity space either side of that to work on um and and then at the other side you've not got that galley style kitchen therefore you've got a lot of space at the other side and you could possibly even get a wee breakfast kit a wee breakfast table and and chairs um that's that's where i think in terms of apartments because it just means that you've got the option that you're no sitting with your tea on your on your lap every single time when you're watching the telly. You know, for me, um, I, I think sitting at a table is a, a, a good thing. It, it takes you away from that television environment, you know, from a point of view of health, it actually helps your digestion. 
because you're not watching the television while you're eating. Um, so that that's just my personal opinion. I, I, I like the fact that integrated appliances for me, oven hob extractor is standard now um, and everything else can be actually freestanding. Yeah, there's some amazing um, small space ideas for, especially for, like small kitchens, small bathrooms. Um, one of the ones that I saw for the kitchen as I say, obviously my daughter's got a very small kitchen um, and that is a, a fold-down table yeah. uh, from the wall. So when it's up on the wall, it's just like a notice board, but when you, you can fold it down and use it to sit and eat at That's a fantastic idea. I would 100% agree with that. That's a brilliant idea for that. Um, so install enough cupboards as well. You know, I, I tend to do yeah. the top and bottom if I can. Um, even if it's a, a one or a, one or a two bedroom, because you never know at some point in time if you've got uh, if you've got the option to go up into an extension and actually extend into up and into the roof space, you potentially got another two bedrooms and and a bathroom upstairs, mm -hmm. um, and that that for me could be an option when prices tend to go higher and people can't afford to buy. Uh, probably extending up is 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 the better option to do that right. for families. And um, so yeah, you can never have enough. I definitely like that option. Yeah, I think lack of storage space is some of the biggest bugbears in properties. Um, so I would always go to the max on that. You've got to think about that as well. You've got to think about the number of bedrooms that you've got in a property and how many people are actually going to live in it to, to determine what <coughs> the kitchen should be and how much storage you should have. I mean, having a wee totty kitchen because it looks stylish and, and, and great um, isn't it a great option for if you've got a four-bedroom property. Um, it's it's not an option at all. Effectively, you've, you've just created a laundry, and there's no kitchen at all. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's what I would I would be think, I would be saying. So, um, stainless steel as well. I'm a big fan of stainless steel. Um, in order to keep that, a wee top tip is put some baby oil on a bit of you know kitchen roll and just give it a rub down. It takes all the staining out of stainless steel and just gives it that nice sheen and and ping and glisten. It also gives you a nice smell when you walk into the kitchen as well. You know, you've not got that overpowering fat smell um, from some kitchens. You've got you've got a nice smell when somebody walks in for the first time. Uh, fit high quality work surfaces. I always go for forty mil worktops. I don't do thirty mil. I don't know if I actually do thirty mil anymore, but forty mil is definitely. And then you've got the Trespa worktops, which are the you know the indestructible now, uh, which people a lot of people are actually putting in now. Which um, and Trespa worktops are the worktops that they put in laboratories in the schools. You know when they're doing um, um, experiments for chemicals and stuff like that, so they're they're almost indestructible. So they're really good worktops. Uh, solid wood worktops would that work well, or is it? Do you think it's a big upkeep? I think it's a huge upkeep because you have to to do them with. Um, I can't remember what type of oil it is. My mum's got them, and yeah. they, they lose their sheen after a while unless you keep oiling them and polishing them. And then if the wet gets in, they start deteriorating. So they, you, sure. they reckon you should only use a wood worktop with um, a sink that sits below it, you know, so the worktop goes over the edge of the top of the sink. Yeah, so Belfast sink sort of type. Belfast, yeah. Yeah, okay. So if we're, if we're supplying freestanding goods, um, fridge, freezer, more than likely, one on top of each other uh, in the corner, which is my preferred option. Um, make sure you've got the freezer an adequate size for the size of family it's probably going to be staying in that property. If it's only a one or two bedroom, clearly the, the freezer could be a wee, you know, a smaller unit and the, the fridge could be the, the bigger unit at the bottom. Um, in terms of washing machines, you now get standard washing machines. They're usually, you're, you need to go for a seven kilo and eight kilo at the very minimum now. 
because um, that's really what people want. Also, for energy for energy efficiency, go for an A rating, obviously. But but what to do is look for a high spin speed. Uh, 1400, 1600s, probably the options now. You know, if you're getting a thousand spin speed, you, you may as well not bother buying it anymore. It's a waste of time. It'll yeah. never dry anything. So as much water as you can get out of it saves the saves the saves the tenant costs and and drying because then mm-hmm. and it also saves your house because if it doesn't if they don't dry effectively and it's winter and they can't put them out to dry because they don't have a tumble dryer guess where it goes they go in the radiators and then your house starts to get damp as a result of that because there's no ventilation and so it's it's a false economy so just we're getting a high spin speed um washing machine actually could save you a fortune um in, in terms of additional costs later on or, or problems later on um because you've not actually invested in the right equipment and it doesn't cost much it's only a couple hundred quid still to buy a washing machine if it was a property that didn't have outside space jim would you ensure that the machine was uh, combined yeah yeah definitely washer dryer i've got um and, and some of my apartments don't have outside space at all so uh, I, I put washer dryers in uh, all the time I do not want people drying things on uh, radiators now. If there's an option, you could put a pulley in. If there's a, if there's a separate laundry, and you could have that in the, you know, above in the laundry itself, uh, right across. You could have, a, you know, a four foot or three foot pulley, and um, sometimes a six foot if it's big enough. And we have that ourselves. Um, great option for drying because when the radiator's on, all the heat's going to go at the top anyway, and therefore it's going to dry quicker. Um, what about, what about um, bathrooms? About how how to boost them? What what would be your thoughts on this? My main thought on this actually is when a lot of people have been buying property and renovating it either yeah. for to live in or buy to let, they're actually taking the baths out and replacing them with sort of the trendy walk-in double shower. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's a great idea if the property is going to have children in it. Yeah. But then how do you how do you bath a child when they're when they're a newborn? A bath, I know. And they've got these tiny little kitchen sinks. They're not even big enough now to bath a kid in. Yeah. <laughs> that takes me back to the days. <laughs> back in the kitchen sink. <laughs> what will be on the website later. <laughs> but do you notice a lot of showers now are actually, they've got the matte black look. Um, yeah. I'm kind of thinking how long is that going to last? Because to be honest, I think that's just a trend. Yeah, I, I'm not keen on black walls and things. One thing that I would say is if you're replacing an electric shower is not go for the white finish. Go for, like, their stainless steel look or yeah. maybe black because the white yellows and it looks awful. And even if you don't have smokers in your house, they always look as if there's been a smoker in the house. It does, eh? I've got, that on, my, I've got that on my shower. The, my shower base and everything is pure white, and the 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 um, face that goes along the bottom of it is actually yellow now, mm-hmm. and it, it looks a completely different colour, and it and does look horrible. Uh, and it, it, you'll not be able to get a replacement for it because it's quite a unique one. It's got this, you know, um, it's the curvature on it, so you won't mm-hmm. get that part anymore. So it's you've just got to live with it whether you like it or yeah. not. So I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of stainless. Uh, again, I'm I'm coming back to the stainless steel look, the chrome look. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of chrome and, and stainless steel because it's easily manageable, it's easily kept, and it's it, it really doesn't go out of date. It's not a it's not a fashion statement, but it's actually timeless. Yeah, I was going to say that it's timeless. And if you look after it, you know, don't just get out of the shower and you know 
rush away to work, take the time to go round the actual shower fitting and dry it because water lingering on it will make it deteriorate a lot quicker. So dry dry off the fittings and it'll you know, brushed steel look brushed steel again i don't know I, i'm happy as long as i've got a tap that works <laughs> so yeah. i'm quite easy to please i'm i'm not sure whether that would be a i mean it's more expensive fittings um you know a deal breaker uh, for some people i mean uh, you know it's when you think about it i mean you could have a you could have a standard bath but you could put really good quality taps on it and it just looks the part um so that that's kind of where i'm coming from it, it's not a huge expense to do it but it just it just it just it just makes it look really good it's like having it's like just having all the wee additional things that you put in a house when you furnish it you know just the throws and the the you know perry would love this <laughs> she'll be watching uh, the throws and the the wee added extras and all the all the wee things that just make that fundamental difference into into making the house look wow um, when you walk in the door for the first time and it feels like a home rather than a house you know that's effectively what, i mean we give people a house and they make it a home that's really what yeah. it comes down to yeah i think when I, I did an ensuite in my own home and the, the main thing that i wanted in it was uh, a rainfall shower head and yep. the combo and i got that and it's great mm -hmm. Um, but one of the other things that I wanted was, um, you know, the fitted furniture. Yeah. With the enclosed cistern and the, you know, the basin that sits on top of the, the unit. Yeah, the vanity and unit and like that. And then what I love as well is if you are putting a new shower in, is put the controls at the start of the shower rather than actually in the shower. Yeah, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> every time I go to switch it on. <laughs> To be honest, I never ever actually thought about it, but it's only when I started seeing people's houses I went, that's a great idea. Why yeah. did no one else think about this years ago? Why do we need to run into a shower and switch it on and get, you know, sprinkle the water and wait for it to heat up and then, then adjust it before we actually walk into it again and back and forth and back and forward, um, getting our feet wet at the same time and having to come back out and come back in and risking slipping. Um, that's the... So I think it's a great idea to do that. So when you're not, if you actually are putting a shower in, then then think about that as well. Uh, tile floors, splashbacks. What's your thoughts on wet walls? Um, wet walls certainly quite durable. You do get um, cheaper alternatives um, that are made out of a like a, a polycarbonate rather yeah. than your solid MDF. So maybe slightly more easily to get damaged, but easily replaceable and quick much quicker than tiling yeah tiled okay. floors yes maybe if they've got underfloor heating is a good idea but make sure that they're of a you know durability that they're not going to get uh damaged too easily because once they're down they're down <laughs> you've got to think about who, who it's going to be for isn't it i mean if it's if it's just a professional couple um, then you tend to think, okay, we can do we can do high quality tile floors, but there's going to be a, for a family that's contained, that's going to be in there, they're going to have young children. There's potential that they're just going to, they could drop something on the tiles, and if you don't have replacement tiles, that's your goose. You've got big cracks in your tiles, and um, so again, that's another thing you've got to think about. But but you get really good quality tiles and really good looking tiles now that that just make your make the bathroom look absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you get the the high quality. Um... I can't remember what they call it now. I put it in my own suite. 
It costs no fortune. It's like a laminate, but it's a tile. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not made of wood, it's got a bit more flexibility to um another brain. I've <laughs> got COVID brain at the moment. I can't remember yeah. what the stuff was called, but um, you know, that's really good. And it's so warm under the feet. But then again, yeah. it's expensive to buy. The underlay is almost as expensive as the tiles, and you have to use the right stuff, but mm. it's it's so good. Yeah. What about things like fitting bathroom cabinets? You know, do you think it's essential? You know, or do you think you should think about maybe where people can put their stuff first? The one thing for me is a lot of people put them straight to the the window edge, and then when they go away, they've got big marks in the window edges. Yeah, but if there's room, I would say put some kind of um, floor standing portable cabinet. Again, you get some of them that really good. Mirror on one side and turn it round. It pivots round and it's got storage on on the rear side. So if there's room for that, I would do something like that. Yeah, behind the door or something like that. That's a yeah. really good effective solution, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And again, it, it's it, it's a nice it's a nice feature. Um, ventilation is probably essential for bathrooms as well i would say so even if there's a window in the bathroom make sure there's an extractor fan uh, for moisture as well um so your condensation really doesn't turn into mold um there is a case uh, you know the extractor fan is too low as well that the, the the condensation could actually hit the roof and and if you've not actually done uh, this is the key here as well you need to do if you're if you're not putting a polycarbonate roof in or you know something like that um it's easily wipeable then make sure you do vinyl silk on your ceiling and not uh, mark um, vinyl mark because vinyl mark will just attract the mold and then then you'll you'll have a problem and everybody will think it's damp when in actual fact it's not it's just condensation yeah i've seen that a lot in some of the houses and everybody's you know when surveyors and that go around um and they'll say oh you know is it it's damp they say, no it's not it's just condensation but a little yeah. bit of education with the people with the tenants you know, can go a long way to, to solving that. So what about eco extras and little luxuries? What extra things can you do? You know, what, what type of things can we do? Um, you can put um, valves, pressure valves on taps. So it actually okay. um, reduces the amount of water, but still gives you the same pressure. These shower heads, you see and that the one with the balls in them. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like, wow, I could not believe that. And that's, that's like 15 quid. And you put a different shower head on and it uses less water, but the, the, the pressure goes right up. And it's like, instead of sitting in a drizzle, you, you've actually got a proper shower. Yeah, and it's quite invigorating as well to have a shower that's got a decent pressure behind it. One thing that I would say is that um, with the eco thing in mind, maybe making places really nice for people to be in isn't helping their economy because they stay in the yeah. shower far too long. So I would say get a, get a tap that turns cold after four minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's extra comforting and, and uh, convenience. Um, it just makes that aspirational a bit more and a bit more quality to the actual property itself. Um, you're exactly, I mean, we talked about brushed brush steel and powder coated metal. Uh, even brushed steel and powder coated metal power sockets and light switches around your house um, just gives a wee bit of difference. Uh, I've actually just bought another one and it had um, brass all the way through. And the first thing I says to them, it says, I'm not caring what you change it to, just get rid of all the brass fittings and all the light switches. It's so antiquated the way that looks. Um, wired in multi audio speakers for high quality properties now, you know, broadband. 
um, and installed as well. Um, uh, I would say broadband. Yeah. Definitely broadband. I think that's almost a necessity these days. Yeah, it, it must be. I mean, if you want high quality tenants who want to work from home, because that's probably the requirement now, then you need to make sure you've got hardwired. I mean, I've got it here. I've just had it installed here in Spain. Um, and I'm on 600 gig, uh, 600 megabyte now. So it's high. I was quite surprised for 30 euros. Um, uh, and that was a really good deal. A lot, a lot more cost effective than what it had cost me back home for a virgin. So I could not believe it. So I'm actually streaming on 600 just now. Um, quite easily where I am. So I've just had that installed. Uh, mood lighting under kitchen walls, you know, kitchen cabinets and stuff like that, you know, and behind bathroom mirrors. That's a big thing, isn't it? It is nice. And I've also seen some people will get lighting built into just behind the top of cornicing. Yeah. Big so thing for me, a heated mirror. And you can buy them. You can buy them quite easily for about 40 or 50 quid. Stick them on a wall, heated mirror. There's nothing better than no having to come out of the shower and having to sit and wipe that down, and then it goes uh, condensation again. And then you just switch your heated mirror on with your wee sensor, and it's job done. <laughs> I prefer not to see myself when I've just come out of the shower. <laughs> I'll let them. I'll let the mirror stay steamed up. <laughs> so, so that's one. That's one of the plus points for me. It's like what you said about energy. You know, flow saving, water saving, uh, solar power, indoor lighting um, to the to the garden as well, to the balcony as well. That's another one. Uh, integrated uh, slide out bins in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm not, a big fan, no big fan. I'm not really sure. The jury's out. You have to get the right type of units to do it because some of them are absolutely horrible and they're just not practical at all. They just don't work. Um, but if you get the right things with the right compartments, it, it works really, really well, doesn't it? Yeah, if you've got no outside space, then something like that would be very handy, providing the kitchen has the space to accommodate it. I yeah. would rather have a cupboard that I could put other things in than rubbish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've put more information. There's another article that we actually put in this post as well, and this goes to the Eco Landlord Guide to sustaining your profitable buy to let um, success. Um, so that's in this post as well. If you click on the link, it's in this post, it will take you through. If you scroll down into that article, um, you will actually be able to go through that one as well. So there's lots and lots of information on this show today um, and information that you can actually glean. And again, as I keep saying to people, this is, this is information that other people uh, will train people in and they'll charge them thousands to do it. And we give this away for free every single time so if you get a chance you know um, look at these articles if you get good information out of it, please give us feedback if you've had um a success and if something's happened and it's done well for you as a result of what we've taught you or what you've told you about then please feel free to feed that back to us we'd love to hear from you and um, final thoughts on this andrea before we wrap up because i'm desperate to get to the beach <laughs> <laughs> um i think the main thing would be that if you need if you're buying a, a a property to to let out and you want any expert advice come and speak to us we're always here to to give out advice i've got loads of stuff on websites and we'd be happy to manage your property as well for you yeah absolutely uh, fantastic that thanks that's great advice actually i mean next steps for most people is if you want to turn your buy to let into a market leading rental home uh we love showing you all these things we're more than happy to give you a walk through 
and talk to you about the latest ideas and what you can do to add value to what you're doing in terms of maximizing your returns. Um, and, and guys, that's us. Um, watch out for tomorrow's update, which I'll be doing the weekly update tomorrow night on the five property market tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Um, and then also on Monday, Richard will be doing the wealth creation show at 1230. He'll be talking about buy to let profitable improvements that you can do to maximize your returns as well. And until next time, guys, uh, it's bye bye from her. <laughs> bye from <laughs> <laughs> Bye bye, just now. Bye.